I mean, I've been I've been recording for the last seven <laughs> okay. minutes and fourteen seconds. Yikes! Oh, look at you go, Mister Dan on the spot over here. Mister Dan with a plan. It's because I had a cup of coffee. It's, had a cup of coffee this morning. I'm a little little wired, little little buzzy. Ah. It's, well, fine. Having, it's fine. It's fine. I'm having oh. one right now. Dan went to the coffee. I went to the vodka. Ooh! <laughs> I went to the Bailey's and coffee. I just went to the coffee. Aww. I need more. I was gonna say it's morning in Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. And we're the Rewinders Podcast, rewinding movies to see if they hold up. And this time, we stashed a movie in the trunk of our crappy, crappy car, drove it across town, and let it out. And that movie was Uncle Buck. Now, Joe. I almost said Joe Buck. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. You guys are, you guys are pulling a fast one on me, right? What? You guys watched Uncle Buck Uncle with John. Uncle Buck, we're supposed to watch. We, we... You guys watched Uncle Buck with John Candy. I th- oh okay. I thought that the movie you guys asked me to watch was a little bit risque for what we normally do, but I watched Uncle Cuck. Oh, oh no! I, I had to go through these swinging doors at the back of the movie rental place to find a copy. They they assured me it was back there, and it was very uncomfortable for me. So you guys need to tell me if I watched the wrong movie. Uh, no, 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 that's the right. Uh, one. Okay. Is this a movie from your childhood that you remember? Uh, I thought I, I thought it was, but then when I watched it, I, I I couldn't recall seeing any of it except for the scene where he makes the comically large pancake but then what he did with it afterwards was very very absurd did you guys watch another movie instead of the ones that we watched last night together on the internet (laughs) and almost kind of riffed a little bit a little bit a little bit i try and do my best to not distract from the movie but it's so much fun to talk about the movie too while it's happening it's so hard not to it is especially one that i know so well you know i sat down we watched this movie i wasn't quite sure there's a lot of things that i remember from this movie but it's not necessarily a movie i remember until i sit down then i can remember it beat beat to beat because this is a movie i watched a bunch i guess when i was growing up which is surprising to me watching it as an adult and realizing all the uh risque stuff in years yeah yeah for sure. Outside of watching it last night with you gentlemen, this is the second time I've watched this movie. I am in the same boat as you, Dan. I had never seen it. Nicole loved it. It's one of those movies I always wanted to watch, just never got around to. And I bought it when it was on sale for $5 in 4K last year, so that's why I have a copy. Damn. That is a steal. It was a steal. From... I dropped $30 for my copy. Yeah, 5 bucks. Christ. 5 bucks in 4K. Oh, <laughs> Damn it. Where do they get the extra 4Ks from? Or actually, would that be 8Ks? I, I don't know. They, they, they found a way to scrounge up some additional Ks. And it, it, it may, I don't think it was from Macaulay himself, but maybe it was from Kieran? I, I have no idea. Maybe the John Candy estate put money back into put the Ks back into it. Maybe, maybe. I don't know how to participate right now. <laughs> Did you say you have a history with this movie? I watched it once as a kid. I didn't really care for it and never really sought it out afterward. And since then, since I probably did watch it in 1989 when it came out or very early 90s, it got conflated with The Great Outdoors. So whenever I thought of Uncle Buck, I just thought of the movie Great Outdoors. And then every time when I watched it with everyone uh, this week i was like oh yeah this movie oh yeah that happens oh yeah forgot about all this but uh, yeah yeah i don't think i have anything else to add to that that kind of feels like how i feel about the whole movie 
I've never seen Great Outdoors, which, given how much I enjoy John Candy, is a kind of a surprise. I love Great Outdoors. That is definitely one that we watched a lot as uh, I grew up. I have very fond memories of that movie. Especially being a Wisconsinite, there's uh, some some funny verbiage in there as well. I'd totally like to watch that again sometime. Oh, we totally should. That's a great one. If they were to put this in a three-pack with uh, Great Outdoors and Canadian Bacon, I think I'd be... uh, I'd be pretty happy. You can't have that level of perfection, Ken. You release something like that <laughs> onto the public and people would stop buying anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, that uh, seems like a win for me. <laughs> to sum up the movie Uncle Buck, for those of you who have not seen it, a family in the Chicagoland area gets a call in the middle of the night. Is it a murder? Is it from inside the house? No, it's from Indianapolis. They should have hung up immediately, but they did not. <laughs> Uh, it's the father's, the mother's father had a heart attack and they need to go immediately to this town, sort of far away from Chicago-ish area. And so they need to find someone to watch the kids because unlike other Chicago families, they're not just going to leave their kids behind. Or would you would you venture to say they wouldn't leave a certain son home alone? Hmm. Not until <laughs> not until the following year. Not until 1990. Do you think that's where they came up with the idea? They're like, oh, what if they would have left McCulloch Culkin home alone? Like, um, he's he's a bit of a scamp in this movie. I bet he could do some uh, real shenanigans. I feel like this McCulloch Culkin would get way more violent than the Home Alone. Yes, Culkin. yes. Because this... This Culkin is vulgar, surprisingly so. He's just ahead of his time. Yeah. For, for those not here, Dan posted a John Candy three-pack that makes my blood boil because it came so close it's to being so perfect. Close. It's it not flew Cana- too close it's to the It's not sun. Canadian bacon. It's going berserk instead. Or planes, trains. Like I was just going to say, imagine planes, trains. Like Imagine something like that being in the pack, too. Just like Imagine this crazy just juggernaut of a pack of three-pack John Candy films. Usually when you get a three-pack, you get at least one movie that people are like, I never want to watch this movie again, but it comes with the other two. So Yeah, and I am looking. There is a $5 Blu-ray double pack of Uncle Buck and Great Outdoors. So it's like they, they, they trimmed the fat off of it. <laughs> There's another one, <laughs> Delirious Spaceballs and Canadian Bacon. Hmm. Oh, It's a weird combo. Very, very. John Candy's and Spaceballs. I don't know that first one. I've never heard of Delirious. I would expect, like, who's Harry Crumb to be shoehorned into any of these packs, but I'm... <laughs> <laughs> John Candy, I miss him so much. Yeah. Dan didn't believe in him, and now he's gone. Continue our summation. The family looks for all the correct people to watch their kids. All the correct people are not available to watch their kids. So they go to the incorrect person to watch their kid. Their Uncle Buck. Who doesn't have any kids. Who isn't married. So therefore, it's gonna be a wacky scenario. Which it is. In a good way. And it's wholesome. And it's fun. And then the... Then the parents come back and hell starts over again for the kids. The end. Parents in this movie are absolutely awful. Yeah, they're they're not the best. No, they're typical 80s movie parents. I, I would argue that they're typical 80s John Hughes parents. <laughs> like, Ferris Bueller's parents sucked too. You got a point there. I wouldn't say they're the worst. They could have been a lot worse. However, they're so comically distant from their children that you wonder if they even remember sometimes that they have children. At least it's not like the never-ending story, Dad. Oh, yeah. Your mother died yesterday. <laughs> Get over it. Yeah, tough <laughs> shit, kid. Go to school and pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's right. <laughs> what an asshole. He was around, though, drinking his juice. Yeah, yeah. 
for one scene. And then the kid goes missing overnight. Not a word. <laughs> Not a word, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he probably figured at that point, well, wife's gone. I guess what did I expect? The kid's gone too now. So what we're saying is these parents could easily have been worse. And, and so uh, <laughs> that that's that's good. Sure. <laughs> they certainly could have been better. At least Buck was in, in for it, which is interesting. Because right out the gate, like they bring him in. And it seemed like he was uh, going to be dis, you know, like just using this as an excuse not go, not to go to work with Charisse. I like that aspect. I, I like that it spun that because it, it, you may think he's like this schlubby sleazeball, but he actually is like a great guy with a good heart. Yeah, yeah. He was a schlubby sleazeball, but being have being forced to have to be there for the kids. Is that what changed it? Or was no. he, the, 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 the sleaziness was just, it wasn't him. How, how do I want to explain this? It he, he portrayed being sleazy just because he was lazy. Maybe. I think he sums it up at towards the end of the movie where he was saying that, hey, I had it all. Everyone was like, it's awesome. You don't have a desk. It's awesome. You don't have a wife. You don't have a house. You, you're like free. And then he's like, suddenly now it's, no one's saying that anymore. It's he was living the dream when he was like in his lower twenties, and he kept living that dream. Don't preach at me, old man. And yeah, and then he outgrew it, and he didn't know how to make that transition out of it. I don't know if it's like it was a deliberate using people type situation. I think it was just him clinging to his youth. And not knowing when to let it go. I think that's an interesting take on it. Like like that that. iconic car. (laughs) You said it was crappy, crappy, crappy. No, it's not crappy. It's iconic. The way that that thing just sails through the streets like a boat on on some waves. It does. The the shocks are all broken. Oh, I love that car. You got the nice... Oh, that car is just incredible. It's a beautiful car. (laughs) And he... He makes sure to shut off the car every time he stops somewhere, just so he can have that backfire moment. He he really gets some pride out of how bad that car is. <laughs> yes, he does. The way he's sitting there conducting it like a symphony, just waiting for that pop. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like we're in the what we like about the movie. Let's continue. I have some things from this movie that I continue to this day. I wonder if I wrote them down, because it will be difficult for me to remember off the cuff. Oh my god, I didn't write it down. I was just too fu- too busy laughing at these things. Right, y'all go ahead, I'll try to remember it. <laughs> Alright. This movie gives me a bunch of anxiety as I'm watching it. I don't know if that's a good thing. Maybe it's not a good thing. I was gonna say, that's what you like about the movie? <laughs> I mean, kinda, I guess? I don't know. Like, it's it's anxiety from... It's like, we're getting into the, the ironies. Dramatic versus situational. And like, there's so much going on at the beginning of this movie that I could feel my blood pressure going up just from the heavy amount of cringe that happens. Does that make sense? Like Uncle Buck going to the wrong house at 2 a.m. and banging on the door? Yes! Like it just makes you feel like, oh no. Perfect. I don't want to be that guy. Yes. Or that guy's embarrassing. (laughs) Oh God. If there's any reason why I show up to work every day on time and uh, don't ever call in, it might be because of this movie because of... How he gets into a situation where it is actually like, hey, I need to help somebody out here. And then he, they won't even, she won't even give him the time of day to explain himself. Like, that is definitely anxiety inducing when you look back and be like, oh my God, that, I don't want to be in that situation. So I better show up for work and try hard before, 
just in case uh, I do come across a situation like this where I need to. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. However, him showing up across at across the street at the wrong house, saying, "Oh, there's there's so many white houses in this neighborhood." That is a great moment because it just shows how disconnected from that family he is. Like he's Uncle Buck, he knows the oldest child who is. Uh, 14 16 somewhere in there and doesn't know the two younger children he knows of them he knows they exist but like (laughs) he's not part of this family he's not invited over possibly because he's embarrassing because he's he's buck he's kind of gross he's kind of a layabout but uh yeah it, it definitely goes to show that like he's doesn't know the house he hasn't been there in a long time if ever so yeah. him showing up at the wrong house and banging on the door and be like, ah, wake up. It's like very telling. It is. To me, very funny. It is. And I, I love <laughs> I love that scene coming right off of him, like trying desperately to remember the kids' names in the car ride over. <laughs> it's just like. Yes. It, it all couples together beautifully. And it, like you said, it just shows how distanced he is. He doesn't really remember anything. And he's, he's it's not like he's terrible. He's trying, but. <laughs> It, it's funny. I like it. But I don't. I think he was distanced because he was a black sheep. Yeah. Like he was the family's black sheep. Yeah. Like he didn't do anything wrong. It's just people didn't want to have him spend time with their kids and potentially corrupt them with his his lethargy. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. There's so much to love about this character. Like he's flawed in hilarious ways. I'm on the I'm on the five year plan. Gave up smoking on cigars five years from now. Going to go to the uh, pipes and then pipes chewing the gum and then I'll be done. Tobacco, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's got the great, great, great lines like, huh, unbreakable, and smashes a priceless plate, mm-hmm. which still tickles <laughs> me In to this his day. defense, I, I say that. it fell a great distance. It did, and it should have break, broken, and every time I drop a dish and it doesn't break, I enact that scene, minus actually breaking the plate. <laughs> Although, if I were to like tap it on something and actually shatter it in my hand... I would die a happy death because that would be so good. I like how the movie nails certain Midwesternisms. Like when you first meet Buck, he's in a very Chicago-styled bar. And anyone who's from our, our area of the United States, you can pick it out. You know what that looks like. And it's like, yep, exactly. That's where they have to be. So I feel like this was, like, John Hughes puts a lot of movies in the Midwest. Well, yeah. And so he knows the Midwest. He knows this is the kind of thing that the Midwesterners actually be found at. Because that's the kind of place that usually has the best food. Anyone who's not from the Midwest would look at that place and be like, oh, this is where he's taking her for a date? How gross. How grody. Like, no, this is probably the You spot. don't understand. Dive bars best food yeah at the end of the movie too when uh they're splitting ways and saying goodbye it's like this long extended midwest goodbye where everyone keeps talking but you keep slowly walking apart but even you are still engaging in the conversation as you are leaving yep that's a thing extending it You can't just leave. It's it's just not a thing. I love it and I hate it. I love that I'm able to point it out that it's something that I do and I can laugh at it, but I hate it because it's something that I do and I try really hard to not, but it just, it, ah, you know? Oh, we know. We're all there. We've all left the two o'clock D&D sessions and, uh, standing out in the driveway (laughs) for another half hour when it's freezing outside. It doesn't make any sense. Is there any other way? If there is, I don't know it. I think getting back to what you said earlier, Ken, I love the car being a character in this movie because it is a character, damn it. It has so much personality. Absolutely. It does so much to drive people into certain directions. I I love this thing. (laughs) 
I will always, always, always get the best laughs out of a funny car either being driven shittily in a movie by a character or a piece of shit that just is, is not safe to be on the road. You take the naked gun, you take Frank every time he, he drives his car, he smashes into garbage cans, pops up on a curb, <laughs> all that stuff. That's hysterical to me. It's got to be like a boxy, floaty, boat-like car, like you said, like this one where it's just bobbing like crazy. It's not necessarily being driven too fast. It's not necessarily being like swerving all over the road. But if it's just this junky POS that you can tell there's something wrong with it and they just don't care enough to get it fixed. That makes me giggle. Yeah, along the same lines, uh, end of, near the end of the movie, I know we're jumping around, but that's what we do when we're on the car part. Uh, Cherie <laughs> says, you never said I love you. If you said I love you, it'd be for a pair of tires or something. And he's like, no, I said I love you. It was for shocks. And the fact that his shocks were in such bad shape, it means oh, it was yep. so long ago, or possibly another car. But you yep. got a feeling he holds on to this car particularly because he's got a thing for this car. Because the end of the movie, she's like, he's going to get into a company car. And he's like, ah, I don't know about that. I love this car. There's another 100,000 miles left on it. Like, he's had this car for a while. He must have been with her for a while because those shocks with the way he drives should not be as uh, oceanic as they are. <laughs> It's a good way to describe it. I he like closes it. <laughs> the trunk on the uh, car and the car just like nice gentle waves all the way through it. I love that car. <laughs> I don't know how they do the smoke. That's a white smoke, so it's not oil smoke. So, you know, it's like proper movie effects. I don't know how they get that smoke to like st- hang in the air as he's driving. I guess maybe they, are, they use like that shit that they put behind airplanes. Chemtrails? Yeah, chemtrails. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's seeding low-level clouds. I was talking about the skywriting stuff, but sky skywriting, only on the ground. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that could be how they did it. I mean, it definitely looked more like really like heavy steam because of how billowy it was, but like I don't know how they would have pulled that off. It reminded me of like a smoke machine at a club or a whatever you put a smoke machine at. And uh, how it first comes out of that smoke machine, not, you know, like the, it's that thick, fat clouds. They'd probably just put a vape in his uh, muffler these days. But uh, when you're driving, that stuff just dissipates so quickly. So it'd have to have been a really heavy, anyways, it was great. If I could find out how they actually did it, that would solve a lifetime's worth of uh, thought for me. The internet thinks it was a smoke machine. The internet's wrong. I don't remember him calling his car the Beast, but that's a good name for it. At the very end, he called it the Beast. It was the only, I think it was the only time he ever referenced the car by name. Other things I love about this movie, uh, don't much care about the older daughter, but the two young kids, Maisie and Miles, are hilarious. They're so much more mature than they play off, their, their characters are played off to be. Which, when you have absentee parents, you tend to have slightly more adult-like kids, right? Maybe. Maybe. Because all they have is their teenage sister to be a uh, role model for them. And she clearly doesn't care about... Well, she cares about them. She goes, wakes them up, gets them ready for school. But she doesn't care about the language and how she talks around them. She cares about squinting. She loves squinting. That's all she cares about. And maybe Buck. Not Buck. uh, Bug. No, not Bug. I mean, at the beginning, that's that's questionable. questionable. Yeah. I will say one other thing about the uh, appearance is uh, I was watching the movie and I saw this beautiful painting of a dog. I had to assume it was their dog at one point. It wasn't the adorable dog in this movie that I just, I need that dog on top of me to keep me warm all the time. You know, it's like he's laying on the couch and it's got all that hair on you and 
Yeah. Anyway, uh, so they got that picture of the dog, which I assume is family dog. However, I was keeping an eye out the entire the rest of the movie, and I did not see a single picture of those kids in that house. They're too fancy for that. Gotta be too fancy to have pictures of their kids. You know, fancy dog painting, though. Hoorah. This is back in the 80s, man. You couldn't just go to the internet, insert a picture of a dog, and have them printed on canvas. They probably commissioned somebody <laughs> to paint that damn photo. Or they went to, you know, a thrift store and bought a picture of a dog. But I prefer to think of them as those kind of people. So would that have been their prior dog? Because their current dog looks nothing like that dog in that painting. Absolutely. Their current dog is adorable and amazing. That dog in the painting was meh. I'm just kidding. That dog was also adorable, but it wasn't alive. And nowhere near as uh, shaggy. But uh, yeah, it would have been a previous dog. Perhaps before they had kids or jobs. Of course, if they had jobs, they wouldn't have to be able to paint. I don't know. Maybe they resented their children because their original first dog that they have paintings of hanging around the house was so good that they're like, oh, having kids will be great if having a dog is this good. And then they were like, what is this? And then they got another dog, and that dog was like just a beer-drinking fruff ball. And it's they're like, everything was ruined by children. I'm going to wear super thick, big glasses now. Now, where is that point of view in this movie? This movie is all, oh, kids are going to make your life magical and you can't be alone forever. That's not good for you. But that doesn't have this parent's point of view saying, man, these kids fucked my life up so hard. I don't know. I get that (laughs) slight bit of undertone in the writing because of how much the parents are like, eh. We can't leave the kids alone legally. (laughs) At least they cared enough not to leave their kids with the uh, lady across the street for some reason or another. I thought she was going to, but they couldn't reach her because she was away. No, there's the first lady that she said, I'm not leaving my kids with that lady. And then there's the people down the street that were in Florida. Maurice was even crazier than Buck. But you wonder how they found out they're in Florida. Is this a time where you'd have an answering machine and be like, hey, we're in Florida, leave a message, we'll call you when you get back. Maybe. And apparently every everyone left their door open because uh, people kept walking into that home. At the best time, too. Creepy neighbor lady comes in while Buck's uh, trying to do laundry and has a hilarious misunderstanding when the dog licks what? I'm not sure. Um, her butthole. The dog licked her butthole. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Don't shy away from it. It's it's very possible that that's what happened, and they just had the close-up, and yeah, it is very possible. <sighs> oh, this maybe makes me laugh for no, not good reason. That shouldn't be as funny as it is. Well, when you put peanut butter ah. there, a dog's definitely ah. going to lick it. Why? No. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and apparently some local deer. That's a Wayne's had reference to... Something I saw this morning and not having to do with buttholes, but peanut butter and deer. There's a reason they didn't want to leave the kids with her. Yes. Headbands and haughtiness. <laughs> I will say she's very much uh, able to turn her plans on a dime, kind of like she walks in. Oh, I'm usually going to dinner with, or lunch with uh, the mother of the house at this time, but I guess you can do. Would you like to join me for lunch? Like, oh. Okay, you don't know Buck. And then she comes back for some hot Buck action. Calls him sexy the second time she comes in the house. And does some 
questionably dirty dancing. It's more like inner thigh slapping. Yeah. It made me very uncomfortable. That entire, that entire, yeah, it was really weird. I was confused by that as a child. And I'm possibly confused about it as more an adult. confused about it as an adult. Because as a child, you'd be like, oh, that must just be an adult thing. And as an adult, I'm like, what the hell are they doing? That's Why? That's a very specific sect of the United States, I guess. Chicago's into some weird shit. <laughs> Chicago's a big area. They, I mean, yeah, she's bored. Fulvio also pointed out to me that John Candy was a very big guy. Like, not, not in a weight sense, but in, like, a physical stature. I did not think that he was, like, six plus feet tall. Oh, that is... Kind of surprising. And yeah, he's a big fella. How tall but was he? Six plus something. I don't know, unless apparently. unless it was just because of the, the fact that he was in the elementary school bathroom and he was dealing with little boys' urinals. He was six yeah, two. Yeah, see, I, didn't ever th- I, I never thought that he was that tall. I thought he was shoulder shorter. Yeah, the only other movie I remember having a comical scene with an adult using children's toilets is obviously Billy Madison when he goes to use the, the urinals in that school, too. And it's the exact same thing. He goes in and the urinals are that size. Uncle Buck was first. Uncle Buck was first. He stole it. (laughs) Because it is pretty funny. However, you think that somebody who's uh, been smoking for years and uh, then smoking cigars for years again would know how to fuel roll a cigar instead of just running underneath a tap. Then again, he is in, in the school and not outside. That's an outside activity. I think he was just doing it to get it done because he realized that he walked into a walked into a school with a lit lit cigar in his hand. Yeah, which again I love about his character. Yeah, a realization I like. I love his character because he's not purposely trying to be bad. <laughs> it's it's refreshing. It's not like a truly bad character or a truly good character. Like there's moments of realization throughout the whole movie where he realizes something he's doing might not be the best idea and changes it. I like that. That's really cool. Plus, he, he's very short with people that are being mean to the kids that he's looking after. It's like his parental instincts kick in really sharp when he has to look out for those kids. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Or even when he's just, you know, trying to make the kids' lives a, a little bit more enjoyable. Like, so the birthday party. Amazing. First off, the parents were supposed to be back by the time it was Miles' birthday, so I am unclear as to how we found out it was Miles' birthday. I'm not sure they would have a calendar with it written on there, but maybe he was talking about it. They didn't cover that in the movie. Doesn't matter. What matters is Miles wakes up to a stack of giant, comically giant pancakes. Like table-sized pancakes. I don't care if pancakes are your favorite or worst favorite food. I don't care if the pancakes are cold. I don't care if it is the stupidest thing you've ever seen. That birthday memory is going to be cemented in your memory forever those giant pancakes are are memorable it's amazing yeah and then to go where i uh was going with this before the mouse car pulls up with the clown inside it <laughs> and the clown like bumbles up you can tell visibly not necessarily in the best shape uh the kids are like oh man a clown that's dumb we don't like clowns we're too old for that which makes sense that the mother would have booked something that the kids wouldn't have enjoyed because she hasn't been around she still thinks her kids are clown age apparently so buck goes out there immediately clues in on the uh you've been drinking because bachelor party and he makes a dildo joke great way to show that you're ready to uh show show some kids a good time and instead of saying hey man calm down on that shit he says gtfo and when the clown for some reason gets angry instead of be like all right i get i get to leave and whatever he's like no what do you know about entertaining some kids i'm the greatest and gets punched like buck's watching out you know the kids want to have a good time 
Get this clown out of here. He should have armed the kids and let the kids beat the clown. He's watching out for the kids. He doesn't want the kids to have to make that bad decision. Although the kids would have relished in clown pinata. Interesting interesting fact about the uh, the actor who portrayed the clown. I'm not sure if you guys caught this, but I wanted to know who it was. It is actually the guy from Dumb and Dumber that Harry and Lloyd put peppers on his burger and kill him with rat poison. <laughs> <laughs> no way! Yeah, it's that guy. <laughs> well, you something new. Portrayed by what's his name? Oh, man. That guy. I, I recognized his mouth, and I'm like, I know that mouth. Where have I seen that mouth? And then I was like, oh yeah, when he's macking on the burger and laughing hysterically about the being in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> Mike Starr. Mike Starr. There we go. <laughs> that is not a name I will ever know. That is... Likewise. <laughs> amazing. Like, he's going to be one of those guys who are in the back background of movies, and you'll never recognize him unless, of course, you're looking for... Or you just recognize that... Yeah, very clown-shaped mouse, he, mouth. He could have been very easily been a Pennywise. I guess. Yes. 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 Is there anything the movie Uncle Buck does not do well or didn't do well for you? Uncle Buck is probably the worst person on the earth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I kid. I was just, you know, we're saying how great of a person, how he made some bad decisions, but he wasn't purposely making bad decisions in that last section where we're saying he's generally a great guy. However, in the ways of him dealing with the uh, with Bug, I'll say it straight out, the Bug situation is possibly questionable in how he handles it because, sure, it's funny to scare the girl's boyfriend. You know, like, oh, you're kissing that girl. I've got a shotgun for you. Like, okay, that was a thing back then. However, constantly threatening bodily harm in incredibly creative ways is alarming. But even more alarming, and now we're going to get into this uh, thing that we wanted to talk about was going to a party pulling out a drill and drilling out the lock of a room because you think your child and and a boy or not your child your niece and a boy is on the other side of that hall uh door even more alarming (laughs) is like oh you're in there girl get out of here if you want to get out of here no he kidnaps bug duct tapes him and throws him in the trunk of the beast he steps over a line there that is not healthy or good, in my opinion. Unless the undertones were that he actually did force himself onto, uh, I forget her name. Tia. Yeah. Tia. T-I-A. Tia. That's it. I'm going to write that down real quick. And I agree. If you're looking at everything being in reality in this movie, yes. He did have false imprisonment. He did have assault and possible threats of violence against this person. And yes, there was also battery. He did beat him with golf balls. Yeah. And when he ran away, he said, my father's a lawyer. We're going to sue your, uh, you of all your money, which one, good luck. He doesn't have any, <laughs> but two is the whole fact that that played into the fantasy side of this movie. I, I consider this movie drifting in and out of fantasy. Yeah. And that drill being part of it was, you know, like, it doesn't matter if it's not plugged in. It doesn't matter if there weren't battery-powered drills at that time because that's the fantasy element of the movie. It doesn't matter if the drill doesn't spin fast enough to actually drill. Yeah. But man, was that a clunky trigger on there. God, that was that is satisfying. <laughs> Give me a drill with a nice clunky trigger and I will be happy. I love me a heavy indented switch. I got a lot of light switches in my house that are just really heavy to flip over and they got to click and I refuse to replace them because they're just so satisfying to flip. The problem with this movie is that it doesn't know whether or not it wants to be a drama or a comedy. 
and dramedies weren't a thing yet. Mm. Were they? When was planes, trains, and automobiles? Before this. Because that's the exact same thing, where it's very funny, but also very dramatic at times. Also, John Candy. The biggest error for me was that it shifted between, like I was saying, those fantasy elements and not fantasy elements. And it's not like there were a lot of those fantasy elements. They all basically tied into, as you said, the bug elements of the movie. And since there weren't that many of them, most of the movie was grounded in reality, except for those very few moments. So those very few moments, if you are a little bit more stiff on how you take in your media, you'll be like, this doesn't make sense at all. We haven't ground out where reality is in this movie. And it's like, well, yeah, true, they haven't. They have these little fantastical elements where, yeah, he should be in prison and yeah, for what he's doing. Okay. But he won't be put there. No. Because the movie doesn't care. And you can get that clutch of unfe- uneasiness uh, when it's happening. However, as soon as I get that clutch of unfeeling, uh, of uncomfortableness like when he opens the door and it's another girl and and he flips off the light he's got the smile and the drill going like i still laugh at that because it's (laughs) it's comically dark and it's a very well shot too is uncle buck more like a black comedy maybe i don't know it's not it's not wrong enough to be black comedy in my mind right it's it's just slightly dark the grandpa actually did die and then there was some pieces involved with that that yeah sure maybe black comedy would be more suitable or the kids you know one of them gets kidnapped or you know somebody gets lost like hell great outdoors the kids fall down a mine shaft and then they have to basically uh i'm gonna spoil too much here but it's a really dark moment in the movie where the tone changes dramatically it's like yeah there's there's ways that they could have lent more into that subcategory, but yeah, it's definitely not a black comedy. Thank you for not spoiling it. I do intend on watching that movie eventually. As you should. John Candy's just a treat. He is, and the only complaint that I have with this film, I don't have many. The only one that I personally have is this is the second John Candy movie where outside of the licensed music, I could not stand the music. Between this and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, it's just annoying 80s synth, but not in a good way 80s synth and cuts abruptly when it hits the next scene. I don't, I don't know what it was about it. I, it just really rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> but all the scenes were Bucks listening to the radio and stuff. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. You just put that synth song from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles back in my head. It's been almost a full year. Oh, that's bam, right. Bam, bam, Yep, yep. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then I think about other other movies of Hughes's, and it's like, I love all the music that's in Ferris Bueller. I love all the music that's in Breakfast Club. It's just, I, I don't know what it is about this one, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles specifically, but I, 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 did, I just don't know what it is about the song choice. I, I don't like it. And that's just a personal taste, so... <laughs> I have nothing else to really, like, hardcore complain about the movie. It's just that's my one little nitpick. I wonder if there's a different, like, music budget on this movie. And so he just has to go to the uh, generic well versus the uh, other movies that you said you like the music. Like, those possibly a higher budget value for having music and such? I don't... I'm not sure. Uncle Buck's budget was Either 15. Way. And Ferris Bueller's Day Off budget was $5 million, And they had Beatles music. So I don't know. Huh. I don't know. They had to rent that from... Wait, was that Michael Jackson's music yet? Uh, I don't know if it was at that time. <laughs> it might have been, I don't know. That was a while ago. I don't remember when he took uh, control of that. Yeah, I can't remember either. I'm with you, Andy, though. It's just like, there's not a whole lot of bad things to say about this film. It's just, I don't think 
it ever reached the highest pillars. So it's in that floaty middle area of it's not a bad movie. It's not an outstanding movie. You don't have much to really criticize it for. That's a great way to put it. So it's like, what yep. do you say? I agree. Wait, is, is this a movie that I'm going to be like clamoring to rewatch repeatedly because I love it? No. no. Yes. Is it a movie that I'm going to want to show to people because I'm like, hey, I think you'd like this movie. Yes, absolutely. And that's really kind of the, the weirdness of it because it's it's not a movie that I'm going to be like putting on a pedestal and saying this is my favorite and changing my, my persona and my lifestyle interests all around. Uh, but I, I enjoyed the movie. It's it's a very middling movie. Is it my favorite used movie? No. no. Would I say it's up there? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, I've only watched it twice. Same here, yeah. So... It might be my favorite Hughes movie. Really? It comes close for me. I would say I'm almost to that point. I'd have to give it a few more watches and maybe watch the whole catalog again, but it comes close. I have not laughed out loud as much as I have at this movie in a while. And we just watched Ghostbusters. Yeah. This movie has the proper comedy fittings for me. Macaulay Culkin coming out and calling somebody a ball sniffer. The dog. Is that funny? I don't know. That's hilarious. The way he delivers it and the timing of it is very funny to me. It just catches you off guard. At the very end of that entire scene, after his mom telling him to find a different word to use, he thinks of one, and then the scene ends. Like... Right. He says nuts, and he walks away with no explanation. It's... Yeah. Very funny. (sighs) And John Caddy's just a treat. Like, the way he... The way he emotes on his face, like, you can definitely tell what's going on. He's he's a wonderful actor. And the jokes, when, like, Sharice is saying, uh, I want to hear the like, pitter-patter of tiny feet or something like that. He's like, I'll get you a mouse with some sheet metal. <laughs> yeah. Pitter-patter little feet. That is a great joke for me. So, and this movie just cuts all sorts of happy notes for me. Also, it was a movie we watched a bunch of growing up, so that might help quite a bit for me enjoying this movie. You, you know, Ken, I'm, I'm swayed. I'm swayed. I just looked up his filmography of films he specifically directed. And out of the eight listed, I would say this is probably my favorite. So I'm, I'm changing my ranking. This is probably my favorite Hughes movie. Close second would probably be Breakfast Club and then Ferris Bueller and then everything past that. I mean, I like planes, trains, and automobiles. I just don't like the, the tone. The tone is so wildly inconsistent. Otherwise, I love the movie. Yeah, Planes, Trains is probably my second favorite. And honestly, I've only watched Breakfast Club and uh, Ferris Bueller's like once and they didn't trip my triggers. I've never seen Breakfast Club. I was mostly bored and annoyed with the characters. I could see people being bored and annoyed. Breakfast Club is definitely <laughs> a, a very acquired taste. In terms of Ferris Bueller, I feel like the older I get, the more I don't like Ferris. <laughs> so it's, I, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> the old man. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yes. We got lawns that have kids that need to get off it. Yep. <laughs> but then on top of that, I, I also, the whole don't beat your heroes thing. It's like learning more about Matthew Broderick and his life. It's like the less I like him as a, as a person and that plays into it. So it's, it's one of those deals too. So sure. Yeah. I don't know. It sucks. It sucks. But these other movies, like I've never seen Curly Sue. Nope. I've always wanted to see she's having a baby because that plays into plane trains and automobiles and that opening scene with Kevin Bacon, but I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. Do I? Weird science I have okay fond memories of. 16 Candles I saw maybe once or twice. Movies I've never seen. Breakfast Club I've seen probably about a dozen times and Ferris Bueller probably seen about a dozen times as well. I've seen Ferris Bueller a significant amount of times. Yeah, and I, I grew up with that movie probably in the most rotation out of all the John Hughes movies. I've seen all of them. And, and how do you feel about Curly Sue? I wish I could remember. I just remember I saw it. <laughs> that name there sounds familiar. 
this is where it gets so hard to actually talk about John Hughes because those are just movies he directed, but then when you talk about the movies he wrote, you got Home Alone, you got Flubber, you got Baby's Day Out, Miracle on 34th Street, the one with uh, Richard Attenborough. You have Beethoven, you have Dennis the Menace, that, that one that came out in the 90s. I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous what he all wrote. Great Outdoors. Great Outdoors he wrote. Did he write One Crazy Summer? Uh, I'm going through right now. I'm not seeing it yet. I'm surprised because that seems like it'd be a movie he would have written. Apparently he helped write 101 Dalmatians, a live action one with Glenn Close. Pretty in Pink. Doesn't look like it. But he also he also wrote Mr. Mom, which... Michael Keaton, hooray. No, so One Crazy Summer was written by Savage Steve Holland. <laughs> Whoever the hell that is. I think he's a wrestler. I mean, that sounds Uh-oh. like it should be a wrestler, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it. Oh, he looks like his yep. name is Savage. I just brought up an image of him. <laughs> he's... Oh my, wow. Oh, okay, okay. So Better Off Dead is probably like... Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer are like the two big ones, but then you got stuff like Malibu Rescue and Rufus. But yeah, it those two that you uh, mentioned, Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer, are like peas in a pod for movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But no, I'm just going to toss out, since I don't have very much against this movie, uh, I do feel the parents were scared of vampires for how much... Garlic? <laughs> Why was nope. there so much garlic? Oh my god! It's a lot of garlic. There were like dozens! And spicy peppers. Actually, what were they eating for dinner? Where they all started yelling at each other and swearing at each other. Oh, it was Chinese. Yeah, it was Chinese. Okay. It was Chinese. They showed the Chinese boxes before that. I was thinking maybe they were just like really big culinary masters, but no, it doesn't even seem like they cook. <laughs> so I, I don't know. No, no, they don't. No, they don't cook because <laughs> Tia makes that, that side comment to her mom about slaving over dinner. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Where do you find the time? Yep. Okay. I remember that now. That and the parents have the same, almost the same perm. That was yeah, genuinely unsettling. They went, They got a two-for-one sale. <laughs> All right, we can give you both haircuts, but they got to be the same thing. <laughs> Saves time. All right. Does Uncle Buck pass for a Thanksgiving movie? Since it is the weekend of Thanksgiving when we I would say this. barely. Barely. That. Do they do Thanksgiving? Plain Trans Automobiles referenced Thanksgiving more than this movie did. I mean, yeah, because he was yeah. supposed to be going home for Thanksgiving. That was the whole yeah. thing for that. I mean, apart from the fact that it was probably fall because it's cold outside. I don't know. Do they do they reference Thanksgiving in this movie? No, I don't at think all? they do. I don't I didn't so. catch it at all, no. So. Whose idea was this? <laughs> uh you can blame me. I love this movie. I was going through <laughs> movies that we could get we had access to that were on our list of movies to watch. Yeah, I know. Uh, as an adult, uh, after thinking about this as a kid, where I said that I thought this movie was forgettable as a kid, now watching it as an adult, I think it's actually a lot more funny as an adult watching it and seeing it from the avenue of I'm basically kind of like this character in my family, except I'm married. Um, <laughs> but I have no kids. I don't know if I'm considered a black sheep in my family. It kind of squeaks my wheel, if that's a saying. Yeah, Yeah, squeaks your... Yeah, I get it. Uh, Also not married, and this movie kind of ground into me like, oh, you're not married, you're going to suck, your life's going to suck so much. Like, oh, not going so bad right now, so... I mean, do you know how to use a washing machine? Oh, I do. There you go. But the question is, (laughs) do I? I also do. (laughs) 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 I still love this movie. It's It still trips triggers makes me laugh yeah this might not be a movie that i pull to watch every single time i sit down to watch a movie and don't know what to watch but if it's on this is definitely one of those movies i would sit back watching google to i i like it i like it a lot absolutely yeah i don't think it has aged poorly i think it it's aged pretty yeah, well no i'd agree 
Absolutely. I'd recommend it. Well, apart from where uh, you could Watergate your house whenever you wanted to. And by that, I mean listening on everyone's phone calls. <laughs> I was like, what are you referring to? I miss those days. I miss those days, and I miss the days of picking up a phone and hearing the garbled nonsense from it being on, from somebody being on the computer. <laughs> I know, that's what I was going to say. I'd be like, I'm the one constantly, like, everyone's like, oh, you're on the modem again. I'm like, Sorry. I need to use the phone. <laughs> oh, those days. Those days are gone. Yeah, you need to use the phone for, 30, for like 13 minutes, and then the phone's going to sit there for three hours doing nothing. How about, I, how about you just let me know when you need to use the phone? It'll be okay. But no, it, it never went that way. Exactly. You're not using it. Let me use it. I have a disc for 100 hours on America Online. I'm using it. <laughs> to download Net Zero. I'm pretty oh, sure that minimize those ads. my parents still have some AOL discs. Squirreled away somewhere. It was a sad day when NetZero started charging for internet. Well, that was us baking insanely large movies on a griddle designed for, I don't know, a, a baseball stadium? I don't even know what that was. Like, when they, they, they cut to that scene. How did it work? Yeah, like, they cut back into the kitchen and there's just a two-burner little stove thing. Like on that island so like how was that heating I mean, he used a washing bin for the pancake batter i reckon i noticed that <laughs> i'm gonna look this picture up a quick see if i can find out uh pancakes that was uncle buck rewound if you could like subscribe hey just continue listening that'd be cool too and let us know what you think tell your friends tell your neighbors tell that guy you hate who walks his dog past your house but never picks up the dog's poop we hate that too because next week that's right i said it next week not two weeks from now but next week is december and december means a very netflix christmas begins so come back in a week because the riffing shall happen Sounds like we're all going to riff this that year. That was the plan. Huh? Some of these huh? movies I'm excited to watch. Some of these I am not. I would really rather put hot forks in my eyes for some of these movies. Aww. Hot forks will be provided. But I want to enjoy what we're watching. No one has watched from that list? Nope. nope. Why would I? Good. Because the theme of the month is you, you never watch them until you watch them to riff them. <laughs> So you never know what's coming. We don't pre-plan the, the, the riffs or anything for better or worse. Probably for worse. We'll find it's out. It's a good time. <laughs> this is Joe's baby. I'm not going to I'm gonna let him do what we need to do for this. I'm just not prepared for it. <laughs> yeah, we're wandering into his world with this one. <laughs> here, we, here we go. So come back in one week when we will riff. Again! Oh, yeah. Or for the first time. Joe's not doing this off the seat of his pants. <laughs> not at all.